Dear Father, uh, we're just so thankful that we have the day to come and spend together as a church family. Mm -hmm. Thank you uh, for the things that you do for us, God. We look forward to your word today and uh, the things that we're going to learn. So open up our hearts and our minds uh, to take away what you want us to have today. And also, God, as a church family, help us uh, tell others about uh, you and what you have done for us through your son, Jesus. And we, uh, those are stories that we can tell. So, uh, God, we just thank you for your son. And we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Deanie. In the newest version of the movie, The Magnificent Seven, there is a scene where Ethan Hawke's character, Goodnight Robichaux, is trying to train a group of farmers to become shooters so that they can protect their homes from the bad guy. And it's not going very well. And Goodnight gets pretty animated in his motivational speech, best way to say it. He gets pretty animated. And at one point in the midst of it, he makes this statement. It's really a curious one. He says, you got to get some gravel in your craw. Now, he says it with a little more passion than that, but you got to get some gravel in your craw. That spoke volumes to me because as a bird hunter, I've seen a lot of birds out graveling. If you're not positive what that means, maybe you've never seen it, it's a really simple explanation. Birds, at least a, a lot of different species of them, have a thin little pouch at the base of their esophagus where they store food, just normal, ordinary, everyday food. But they cannot digest it unless they get some gravel in there. That little pouch is called the craw. They have to get some gravel in their craw to start breaking down the food so they can digest it. Same thing happens in the gizzard. Now there is a, another term for that gravel, and it's probably one you're familiar with. This is it. It's called grit. You have to get some grit in your craw, Goodnight Robichaux might have said. I like the way one Evian blogger describes grit. This is pretty good. These tiny invaluable minerals help birds break down and digest food. Birds will store grit in their gizzards where it works with the organ to break down hard-to-digest foods. But those hard-to-digest foods are still ordinary foods. It's what they eat all the time. And it's necessary for them to get gravel in their craw so they can gain as much nutrition as necessary from the food that they are taking in. I tell you all of that to say this. I believe that sometimes when we're studying the Bible... We have got to get some gravel in our craw if we are going to break down what we are studying, even when it seems normal and ordinary. If we are going to break it down in such a way that we will be able to digest it and get the most nutrients from it as possible. If we're going to gain as much as we need to from what we are studying, we got to get some gravel in our craw. This morning, that's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to get some gravel in your craw. What we're going to look at today requires some grit. And it may surprise you to hear that because we are simply studying in Scripture thankfulness, thanksgiving, gratitude, normal, ordinary things that we study in the Bible and we take for granted in our walk with Christ. But if we don't break it down the right way, we will never gain as much from it as we need to. 
So this morning, I want to encourage you to get some gravel in your craw as we get into God's Word and get ready to digest something differently than you may have ever done before. We're going to start with a quote from John Piper. I really like this. Take a look. Genuine thankfulness is an act of the heart's affections, not an act of the lip's muscles. It is not willed, but awakened. It is not a decision of the will, but a reflex of the heart. Listen to this. It happens to us. Gratitude, genuine thankfulness, happens to us. It is something that has to be awakened within us, but it happens to us. And when it does, there are at least six things that take place. Now, let me walk you through these really fast. I'm going to show you scripture that backs each one of them up. You pay close attention to what happens within us when thankfulness happens to us, when it is awakened within us. Pay close attention. Here's number one. Thankfulness reveals the condition of our hearts. Now, listen to this. Let the peace of Christ, to which you are indeed called in one body, rule in your hearts and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Thankfulness, genuine thankfulness, gratitude reveals the condition of our hearts. Now, if you were paying close attention, here's what you noticed. The Apostle Paul in the book of Colossians did not say that a lack of conflict reveals the condition of your heart. He didn't say that at all. He did not say that your understanding of deep spiritual truths reveals the condition of your heart. He says that thankfulness does. Genuine thankfulness does. Then there's number two. Thankfulness is a sign of the Holy Spirit in your life. Take a look at this. And do not get drunk with wine in which there is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. See the pattern? Singing and making melody with your hearts to the Lord, always giving thanks for all the things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to our God and Father. Now again, let's look at what he doesn't say. The Apostle Paul does not say in Ephesians chapter 5 that a real sign of the Holy Spirit is a miraculous moment within your life or some huge event that takes place. Not at all. He says that it is a consistent thankfulness that grows within us that becomes the sign of the Holy Spirit in a believer's life. I love the consistency of that. If we can understand genuine thankfulness, if we can apply it in our lives, it will become, listen, it will become, pay close attention, it will become a sign of a Spirit-filled life. Thankfulness does that better than anything else. Number three, thankfulness is the first step in determining the will of God in your life. What? Thankfulness is the first step in determining the will of God in your life. A whole lot of people wrestle with the will of God in their lives. Be that in the, the pursuit of a major life change or a decision that has to be made, we want God to reveal His will to us. And we'll try all kinds of different things in order to make that happen. But have you ever tried thankfulness? 
genuine thankfulness? Well, Scripture teaches us to. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. It is the first step. If you are seeking the will of God, the revelation of that will in your life, then you start. You start in gratitude and then continue your pursuit of God's will and the revelation thereof. But it starts in thankfulness. Number four, thankfulness demonstrates freedom from sin. I know you've thought about that before, but have you really paid attention to what Scripture says about it? But sexual immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be mentioned among you, as is proper among saints. And there must be no filthiness or foolish talk or vulgar joking which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. If we want to demonstrate freedom from sin, boy, it's our mouth that will reflect that first. Let it happen through the giving of thanks, the offering of praise, demonstration of gratitude for what God has done for us. Because if you want people to know that you have been delivered from an old way of life and brought into a new one, there's no better way to do that than through gratitude, through thankfulness, genuine thankfulness. See how when you have a little bit of gravel in your craw, it begins to break this down so that we can see different applications and draw the nutrients out of thankfulness that we need? Well, it goes deeper, and there's more to it, like this in number five. Thankfulness paves the way for our prayers to be answered. A lot of times people will say, it seems like God's not listening to me. It seems like God doesn't care about what's happening in my life. Well, I want you to know that thankfulness paves the way for your prayers to be answered and can turn that whole thing around. And it begins in thankfulness. At least that's what Philippians 4 teaches. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and pleading with thanksgiving. See how it starts? With thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It begins in thanksgiving. Now, one of the end results when our prayers begin in thanksgiving is the peace of God coming to rest on us. Do you battle anxiety and worry? Do you wrestle with those things? Well, reshape your prayers. Begin in thanksgiving before you get into the petition. Don't petition first and praise as an afterthought. Reshape your prayers Begin in praise, begin in gratitude, begin in thanksgiving, and then let your petitions follow, and the peace of God, as it rests on your life, will become evident not only to you, but to those that are around you. Thanksgiving is the key to answered prayer. Reshape your prayer life. Now, here's number six. Thankfulness is instrumental in shaping how we perceive the future. We'll come back to that. We will come back to that. So put a pin in that one and trust that we'll circle back. Let me show you another quote from John Piper. I really like the way he says this. Gratitude is both an indicator of your heart and a defender of your heart. It is both. Now we've been looking at the indicator sides of it. I want to take the next few moments and look at the defender side. Because when real gratitude, when real thankfulness 
finds a home within us and we begin to demonstrate it. Now, let me, let me just clarify this. Real, genuine thankfulness, get some gravel in your cross so you can hear this, is a discipline. It is something that we must practice. It happens to us. It is an act of God that is poured out on us and it happens to us. And when it does, we can choose to let that be a one-time experience or we can let that be an open door for the development of a spiritual discipline, a life of thanksgiving, a life of gratitude. And when we do, it will become a defender of our hearts, a defender of our faith. If we don't, now listen, if we don't, tragedy and disaster can be just one step away. Let me show you how I know that. Join me in Romans chapter 1, will you? Romans chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 18. Week of Thanksgiving, this isn't a really uplifting passage, but it can be if we'll allow it. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world, in the things that have been made, so that they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever Amen. Now, real quick, here's what we know from this passage. Since the beginning of time, the beginning of creation, God has revealed Himself from or through everything around us, through all creation. And He goes on to say that He has done that so that men are without excuse. If you ever have opportunity to study indigenous people groups, you will find the truth of that passage. They know something about God without ever having a missionary that came and told them about God because God has revealed himself through all creation. Dave Iliff, you have some experience with indigenous people groups. Have you seen that truth? People that should not know of God know of God because Romans chapter 1 verse 20 is true. It is accurate. Now, there are people that have understood a whole lot more about God than simply His existence. They have not only known God, they have believed in God, and they have followed God. Now, it's that group of people that Paul's talking about in Romans chapter 1. But if you were really listening, and I know that it was kind of a disheartening passage, you hear that God gave them over. God gave them over to their shameful lust, their debauchery, their sin. And he says that he did it for two reasons. Did you catch it? Let's go back to verse 21. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. They stopped honoring him as God. 
When people that believe in God and have given their lives over to God and have trusted Him with their salvation and with their righteousness, when they stop honoring God, they are in dangerous territory. And most people get into that dangerous territory because of point number two. They stop giving thanks to God. When we stop giving thanks to God, when gratitude, genuine gratitude and thankfulness fall out of our spiritual life, thankfulness is no longer a defender of our heart. Thankfulness and gratitude is no longer keeping us where we need to be. It is given to us for a number of different reasons, but one of the most pointed ones, one of the most powerful ones, is to keep us safe in our faith. Gratitude and thankfulness keeps us focused on all that God is doing for us, and it reminds us that without Him, we are nothing. Without Him, we have nothing. Thankfulness has a massive role in the life of a believer. And if we will develop it, it will become not only this defender of our faith, but the, or defender of our heart, but the joy of our heart as well. Just to be able to say to God over and over and over again, thank you for what you have done for me. Thank you for what you have done for me. But if we don't, it will no longer defend our heart. And we can start the process of moving into dangerous territory. And it's easy to do that. It is so easy to do that. In fact, let me show you nine guys that struggled with it in Scripture. I'll show you one that figured out how to stop the process. This is in Luke chapter 17, if you want to join me there. Luke chapter 17. In fact, I encourage you to join me there. We're going to start in verse 11. Luke 17, verse 11. I know you've heard about these 10 people before. Interesting, if we had opportunity to ask everybody whose mind or which one of them your mind comes to rest on. Some would say the nine, one would say the one. So ask yourself that as we go through this. Verse 11. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Ten men, all wrestling with the exact same ailment, affirmity or infirmity. They were wrestling against leprosy. They'd been cast out of their homes, out of their community. They were living on the edge of all of society, unable to be touched by anyone, unable to be in fellowship with anyone. And then Jesus passes by and all of that changes. All ten of them cried out to God and God responded. When they realized that they had been healed, only one came back, a Samaritan. The implication is the other nine were all Jews. Jesus was amazed by this. Where are the nine? Why only one Samaritan came back? Why is that? We don't have that answer, not this side of heaven. My guess is the nine got distracted. They got distracted by the joy of the answered prayer. 
They got distracted by the thought of what their future held. They got distracted by the encouragement that had just come to rest on them that they were going to get to go home. They got distracted just like we get distracted when our prayers get answered. But the one man figured out something that we have to figure out as well. You can see it for yourself. It's right here in verse 15. Pay close attention. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. The key to a life of gratitude is found in those two words, turned back. If you want to develop a discipline of thankfulness and of gratitude, genuine gratitude, then you have to figure out what it looks like to turn back, to pray, to receive the answer to your prayer, to receive God's providence and His protection, His grace poured out on you, and then turn back to say thanks. He turned back in praise and thanksgiving. Yet another spiritual discipline is turning back. I need to turn back into the Lord. Today we might say it like this. I need to lean into Him and acknowledge what God has done for me. Thankfulness requires that element. Turn back. This week we have an opportunity to focus on thankfulness. I want to encourage you to turn back as you look through all of the different ways that God has responded to the needs in your life and all the goodness that He has poured out on you, turn back and say thank you. Acknowledge what God has done. Honor Him as God in your life and give thanks to Him. And by doing that, you are putting in a layer of defense around your heart that will keep you from falling into the trap of Romans chapter 1. Turn back and say thank you. You know what else it'll do for you? You remember that pin that we put in our discussion earlier? It will cause you to recognize that Thanksgiving helps determine your future. Get a little gravel in your craw. Hold on to some grit here. Thanksgiving, genuine Thanksgiving, helps determine your future. And if you will turn back and acknowledge what God has done for you, as you move forward, you will move forward with an expectation of what God will do for you. That's found all through Scripture, but I don't know of any place better than Joshua chapter 4. We're going to put it up on the screen. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed, just as the Lord your God had done to the Red Sea, which He dried up before us until we had crossed so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, so that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Now God is speaking to the nation of Israel, reminding them of what He has done for them. But He is saying, in His reminding, He's saying, you hold on to what's been done in the past because you're going to need it again in the future. You're going to need it again in the future. And if you can remember what God has done for you in the past, then you will trust Him as you move forward. Turning back does that for us. It keeps us grounded where we need to be so that as we move forward, we will have the anchor points necessary to face whatever it is that we have to face. Thankfulness. When we learn how to turn back, to lean into God and truly express gratitude will protect us as we move forward. It is the defender of our heart. It is the defender of our heart. 
There is so much more to it than simply saying, way to go, God. It is the defender of our heart. Now, I'm going to say this real quick, and then I'm going to move on. This particular passage was given to an entire nation. If nations, and let's just say if our nation, would hold on to the teaching of this passage, imagine what the future would hold for us. If we would remember what God has done for us in the past and we would honor Him as a nation, if we would glorify Him as a nation, if we would give thanks to Him as a nation, then nationally, what would be our future? It'd be, it'd be amazing. But as we fall into the Romans chapter 1 category more and more and more and more, it can easily appear that God has given us over as a nation. Well, the only way a nation is going to change the course of that is when individuals do. So turn back as an individual and teach other people to do the same, that as a nation, we may remember what God has done for us and always give Him the glory for it and never try to take it for ourselves. And if we will rely on Him and stand on the truth of His Word, the future is bright. Enough said? Enough said. Gratitude does that for us. It's a remarkable thing, truly remarkable thing. And when we apply it individually, whew, changes our lives. Now you might say, and it's a fair question, how do I do that, Phil? How does that happen? Well, let me give you three questions that can help with that. These three questions can help you develop a life of gratitude. You can apply them every day. Here's number one. What's one thing from yesterday I'm thankful for. So today, you ask yourself that question. What is one thing from yesterday that I am thankful for? Once you have the answer to that, ask question number two. What is one thing I am heading into today that I am thankful for? Real quick, just out of curiosity, how many of you have gotten up in the morning and thought to yourself, I have a day ahead of me that I am completely dreading? Anybody ever done that? Oh good, I'm not alone, because <laughs> sometimes that happens to me. You want to change the course of your day? Question number two will do it. What's one thing I'm heading into today that I am thankful for? It'll change your perspective. So apply question number two. Then there's question number three. What's one thing in my day-to-day -day life that I am thankful for? Again, it will change your perspective. Ordinary, normal parts of your life. When you apply the grit, the gravel necessary that comes through gratitude, you can reshape your entire day by focusing your mind and your heart differently in gratitude. Now, what we're talking about here is a level of prayer that says, I'm not just acknowledging all three of these things, I'm going back and talking to God about each one of them. I'm making it a part of my prayer life so that I can honor God and I can bring thankfulness into my daily walk with Him. Want to take it a step further? Want to take it a step further? Shake your head, yes. Then all you have to do is apply one more step. This is it. Add the why. Why? Once you acknowledge something, then add the why. So what's one thing from yesterday that I'm thankful for? Add the why. You acknowledge what it is. Why am I grateful? What is one thing that I am facing today that I'm thankful for? Acknowledge it and then add the why. What is one thing in my day-to-day -day life that I am thankful for? 
Acknowledge it and add the why. It takes you deeper. Here's what that might look like. I wrote this on Friday, so I was looking back at Thursday. We had Thursday night pursuits. So, long day for me from start to finish. So, on Friday, I was looking back at Thursday and thinking to myself, what is one thing that I am thankful for from yesterday? My answer was, well, she just walked down the aisle. It is my wife. But here's my why. Why on Friday was I so grateful for my wife on Thursday? The answer is this, and this is the way it sounded in my prayer, because she fed the horses on Thursday night. Now, here's why that matters. I had a really long day on Thursday. She didn't feed the horses for me on Thursday evening because the horses needed to eat. She fed the horses on Thursday evening because she knew that I had a really long day on Thursday, and it was going to be dark and cold when I got home. And so my wife was meeting a need in my life. That's my why. So on Friday, in my thankfulness to God for the gift of Tina in my life from the day before, that's the why. Because she saw my life and knew what I needed. And she met the need. The why. See how it works? Apply it in your own life and watch what happens. It will take you deeper. All too often, we fall into a trap of just saying, I'm thankful for this, I'm thankful for that, I'm thankful for this and that, and so on. Okay, those are what I would refer to as low-hanging answers or Sunday school answers. Get a bit deeper in it as you let the gravel break up thankfulness in your craw and you draw from thankfulness what your walk with Christ needs. And I'll show you what happens as a direct result as we wrap this up. This is found in the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 4. I want to encourage you to turn there with me. Give me about 90 seconds and I'll show you something super cool. I'm going to start in verse 7. This is a passage of scripture you've heard a lot. Probably studied it yourself. It's a good one. And there is a lot in it. 2 Corinthians, chapter 4, verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke, we also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence." For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Now, tucked away in the middle of all of this great teaching is a logical progression of gratitude. I'm going to leave everything else on the table and just focus on that. It's found in verse 15. 
For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Here's the logical progression of genuine thankfulness in our lives when we learn to turn back. As grace increases, as it is poured out on us, thanksgiving increases. As thanksgiving increases, the glory of God increases. Do you see the progression of that? As grace increases, praise and thanksgiving increases in our lives and God's glory is increased. And God's glory is increased in two different places in heaven. As God looks and says, yes, you're getting it. You see it. You're acknowledging now what I have done in your life. Way to go, my child. But God's glory increases on this earth as people begin to see something different in God's children. And that is a heart of thankfulness. It's amazing. As God's grace increases, it increases praise and thanksgiving that God's glory will increase. Let some gravel roll around in your craw this week and break down thanksgiving for you to a place where you can say, I see the grace of God as it has been poured out on my life and I want to turn back and acknowledge what he has done that God may be glorified both here and in heaven. Why don't you stand? We'll pray together. Father in heaven, as a church, we want to turn back. That's what we did a little earlier in the service as we looked at so many of the good things that you have done for us this year and allowed us to be a part of. Thank you for that. As individuals, we want to turn back and recognize all that you have done for us. Lord, the the list in my life is long, and I know that it is in other people's lives as well. Thank you for that. As individuals, it is our desire to acknowledge your grace and goodness through thanksgiving and gratitude that your glory may increase. Father, I pray others will see what you have done for us and they will believe. Pray for those that are struggling to find gratitude. Lord, would you change their perspective just a little bit that they might be able to do that today and then remind them to turn back into you. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.